Not only have consumers changed the way they buy during the pandemic, but also the way they pay for those purchases. Imagine this, you're browsing through an online store, eyeing that perfect thing you've had your heart set on. Like the new iPhone 15, or a brand new leather couch to pass out on. Popularity of buy now and pay later options has boomed as companies such as Affirm, Splitit and Afterpay allow consumers to pay in installments over a period of time. In today's world, you can bring it home today and pay later without the hassle of upfront payments or credit cards. If you're buying a pair of jeans for $100, instead of paying $100, the customer pays four payments of $25 every two weeks. So we pay the retailer the next day um, and take all the risk. We do that you know, without um, checking a, a consumer's um, credit file, without ever charging interest. So, you know, we have built a product that's fundamentally different to other, other providers in the market. It's like having a financial genie granting your wishes. It's called buy now, pay later or BNPL. We're looking at an industry uh, of retail banking payments that you know has an addressable market of $440 billion worldwide. And it has been constructed in a way traditionally where credit cards have been making a fortune by trying to get us to revolve at high interest rates. This new form of payment aims to disrupt traditional credit cards by helping customers indulge in that must-have item and spread the cost over manageable installments. And we have to remember we're looking at an industry that charges society $440 billion in cost for basically shifting money between accounts, which isn't that much more difficult than sending emails. And the cost of payments in the US is 10x what it is in Europe due to the lack of proper interchange regulation in the US. So this idea has spawned some billion dollar businesses. For us, I mean, Klarna has 150 million users worldwide. We're uh, one of the largest third-party global payment networks in the world. PayPal's got an active buy now, pay later. Apple wants to move buy now, pay later. Are you ready for all comers? We're helping people who are deciding between buying a, a nice suit and uh, a reasonable couch to maybe have both. But is it all sunshine and rainbows? Join us on Things Have Changed podcast as we delve into the stories of how this new wave in finance is changing the way you shop online. If you had known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data. Things have changed, and we're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. So, Jed, you remember in Phoenix, we had that couch, right? Uh, so yeah. Terrible <laughs> couch. couch terrible couch. <laughs> Jed and I moved into an apartment together and we were like, okay, we need a couch. It's staggering how much furniture costs. Back then, we were yeah. like, you know what? We're not spending like crazy amounts because a mediocre couch was like 700 bucks. Even secondhand. Secondhand, crazy. yeah. So, But then what we did is we just kept searching and then we found someone on Facebook Marketplace. That guy's like, yeah, dude, this, this couch is there. It's great. It's all working. It's all fine. Uh, there are a few stains. Sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few stains. <laughs> he did mention that. And we were like, you know what? He seems like an honest guy. He's, he's being pretty straightforward. So let's go and pick it up. So we go, we pay like 400 bucks, uh, we take a U-Haul and the couch is like, uh, not the greatest, <laughs> not the greatest, <laughs> but we had committed already. We were all With in. With the U-Haul and everything, dude, yeah. we were there and ready, bro. <laughs> yeah, we, we were there. And then 
we lift the couch. You know, it's this sectional LL thingy from Ikea, second yeah. hand, third hand, fifth hand, God knows how many hands it has passed. <laughs> and so we started carrying it to the U-Haul. We get to the U-Haul and it does not fit in the U-Haul. And we are like, oh no. So we are dismantling it. We're putting it in. I forgot about this. Yeah. Damn, we put it crazy. into the U-Haul. The U-Haul can't exit now because we've got out of this out of a different exit. So just a lot of pain. That couch just gave me a lot of pain. And so it was the time to move from Phoenix. I was like, there's no way I'm taking this. This couch is going to be burnt. And so when, when I moved to the new city, Austin, I was like, okay, you know what? I need a new couch. Um, I've been putting this decision off for years and Facebook marketplace with those dirty couches on there, just <laughs> at my price point was just not working. Right. So found um, a couch, which, which I really liked. Uh, it was a leather sofa. Wow. Yeah. I, I was like, might as well buy something that will last for a long time, right? But I didn't want to spend money. Classic conundrum. I want it. I don't want to spend money for it. <laughs> that's my where, everyday deal, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. It. And that's where this new finance option kind of worked out. Because, you know, the couch was 1200 1300 or so. You know, I had racked up a lot of bills to like pay and, and close things out in Phoenix and get everything set up in Austin, right? So I did not want it to go on my credit card because I'd need to pay it off in like 20 days. Right. And not rack up interest. Yeah. Yes. There's an option for me to pay it in installments. Right. And so I put in my information and boom, over four months, that cost was going to be divided to $50. And if I pay it within three, it's a 0% interest. This is a great way for me to get the couch, but also not be impacted on a monthly basis as much. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. A buy now, pay later. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think th these new BNPL schemes take that responsibility out of your hands and kind of, you know, spread that responsibility with the creditors that are also giving you that opportunity to get that new product. We mentioned it in the intro, you know, about buying like an, a new iPhone or something that's like has a really huge price tag and you're not comfortable putting that into your own risky credit already, right? Yep, like yep. a credit card that would, would cost you like 13 to 16%, you know, like it's crazy right now, right? 23%. Sometimes, when was it ever 16? All right. Six years are... ago? <laughs> Jeez. Those are huge, huge numbers. And some people just need some time, you know, to be able to pay something off like that. So I think it's a cool alternative. Like the idea of it was cool to encourage more consumerism, I guess, for all those folks who need to get that new iPhone. But as we kind of also pointed out in the intro, it's also a little bit dangerous. Yeah. So say the couch costed $1,500, right? Yeah. Um, I've paid $500 three months in a row and I've paid it off. How has the manufacturer made money? How has the retailer made money in this case? Super interesting. That's a that's a great question because if you think about it from your perspective, the customer's perspective, right? You just see that you paid the full price of what it was worth from the company you're buying it from. Yeah. And initially I was like, wait, how do they make money then? How do these companies do buy now, pay later, make money out of these transactions? Typically, the buy now, pay later companies would charge 4 to 6% for the transactions that go through that route. 
So 46% of that $1,500 that you were mentioning would go straight to the BNPL companies. And the companies who are selling it would take a loss. But as an alternative, they've tapped into this new uh, demographic, right? This new market of folks that want to spread the risks out of payments without using traditional credit means. And maybe sometimes they don't have access to those traditional credit means. Um, and so this becomes like a, a more convenient option for those folks because it's accessible, right? But yeah, that's that's pretty much how they make money through those transactions. And of course, they collect um, the money, right? And if you have, if you're late, you have to pay late fees, just like a financial institution. They make money out of fees. So that's another thing that, you know, helps them make money. Obviously, in the current environment, which is kind of something we'll go over in the next episode, um, it's a little questionable to make those margins in this really high interest rate market. And that's where this becomes really interesting because this is a valid, legitimate business model. I would have not bought a new couch if this form of payment did not exist, correct? Like I would not have. I would have just somehow broken my back, rented a U-Haul and got it on um, Facebook Marketplace or secondhand. So here the retailer has actually got me as a new customer just because of this, this process. So this is a market, right? As long as they can keep the risk low, as long as they know that, hey, you know what, this individual is able to pay back. And I think that's the biggest question here because as a financial trend, Dude, this is growing gangbusters. I know even <laughs> like if if it was crazy in the US, I know when I uh, when I visited uh, Bangalore, India, my hometown, everything now has options to to do the BNPL financing. And one of the things we talked about was like convenience. And just to give you an idea of how convenient this shit is, you know how some when you buy anything online today, you have to put in your credit card details, right? Especially for sites that you're like, you know, you're not it's not an Amazon where you have to always put in credit card details and whatever. Um, sometimes putting in your credit card details might take longer than the time you took to say yes to the buy now, pay later scheme. That's how quick the UI it's super is. super convenient. Super convenient. Dude, I bought my purple bed as well with this. And I, I, did, um, I did that three times already with the purple beds in different places that I've lived. It's just so convenient. It helps you think about how you would spread out that payment. And one of the reasons that I thought about why it's so like fast growing is that it's also really transparent. I know how much I'm going to have to pay in this month and the next month to avoid interest. From my perspective, that doesn't affect me. For your credit card, do you really think when you buy like, I don't know, a TV with your credit card, do you really think X amount of percentage is how much I'm going to get charged of interest if I don't, if I don't pay this month? No, you never think about no, that. No, yeah. That's the thing. It, the, the transparency to it is also a plus as to why it's like growing so crazily. And in a low interest, during the low interest rate environment, this was such a good idea because it was so easy to lend out credit. Because obviously these companies that were, you know, were in this space to begin with, they, were, they didn't have massive balance sheets. So they couldn't just loan out a bunch of stuff. Even they needed yeah, to have yeah. loans um, to be able to, you know, make this a more well-oiled engine. Now, credit cards will even have to compete with other players that will make them want to make their products better. So from my perspective, obviously, like, 
this seems like a good direction to go to give more competition to the credit cards who hold a lot of the amount of transactions we do on a daily basis. We chat about that in the how Visa became the, the biggest financial company in the world. You should check that out if you haven't. Um, but yeah, it is an interesting alternative and it's continuing to grow. One thing that we really didn't talk through in this episode is um, the risks that we kind of lightly glazed over during the call um, into what the BNPL industry is going towards. Like any other financial product, right, that we always talk about here on the show, um, these regulations that are coming out today where regulators are starting to call out these industries um, are going to be really key into how these uh, industries will evolve. So in our next episode, we're going to talk exactly about that and something that we haven't really chatted about in this call, which is that super large decline we've seen in the last two or three months um, from these these uh, incumbents in this space. So you're talking about stocks, right? Yeah, exactly. In their stocks, okay. So dude, who did you use to, to buy your couch? You know the couch you were talking about earlier? So I used a firm. I think it was just down to hearing them in the news a lot. Max Levchin was... Uh, one I was part of the PayPal mafia, right? That's the power of branding and marketing. I must have just seen the name so many times that I was like, you know what? This is probably legit and gone with them. I was just thinking about it earlier. This concept existed a while back, which is crazy because I used to work at um, Walmart as a... Walmart Jed. <laughs> Walmart Jed, connections yeah. associator. Setting up your AT&T and Verizon accounts and whatever. I was that guy. And one of the things that happened during kind of the holiday season was that people were able to purchase things and pay similar to the BNPL framework that we have today with companies like Affirm, but in the store. You sign up for some kind of service that'll help you, you know, do the payments in in certain um, in certain buckets. So this is not like necessarily a new industry. You know, this has existed for a long time. Like we did some research earlier and we found out that this started all the way back in the 90s with Nordstrom. That's crazy, bro. Like yeah. buying fashion forward kind of stuff at a store. And some of those things could like cost a lot of money. I don't know if you got your first suit at a at a big retailer as well. But for me, dude, when it came to America, it was Nordstrom too. That's where I got like a suit and everything. And I think these options weren't too popular before. Like I didn't understand credit at all. So, you know, those things are aren't, it wasn't too obvious for somebody who just got here. But things, this concept has, has existed for a long time, but these new players, I think, are grabbing a lot of attention. Just the power of e-commerce, right? Yeah. It just makes it so easy online, so transparent. I had to just put in some information and in less than a minute, I got approved for this and now I can pay it over the three, four months and I can track it. It sends me reminders. So it felt like such a good like system and that's what kind of got me the confidence to go in on it. But then you had all these players. In addition to a firm, you had your Klarna, your Afterpay, and they've had some significant success during the pandemic. I don't want to talk about what has happened since then, <laughs> because that's going to be our next episode. But the biggest exit was Afterpay. Square bought Afterpay for $29 billion, which was a massive exit. It, it was, it's probably worth $2 billion now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy. Like it, It's just all the different types of products you can imagine buying online 
one of these companies have partnered with those retailers. It makes sense for these massive retailers to come into space and how they would survive regulation because they're used to it and they have experience around regulation and fighting it. Um, you know, one thing to mention is that when retailers do come into this space, they already have access to a shit ton of customers, right? A ton of customers. I mean, I think Apple, when they launched their BNPL program, just within a few months, they processed over a billion dollars worth of transactions, right? Like that's the amount of scale that these companies, when they get into the space and figure it out, can actually use the same type of methodology. These companies are customer obsessed and they're used to getting these customers what they want. Um, so I can only see this getting bigger. With things getting really expensive and e-commerce, you have two things just working seamlessly to make sure that individuals actually have more flexibility in their purchases. You know, this is an alternative to traditional payment methods and it empowers shoppers to make purchases without immediate financial strain, right? But with the innovation, it's important for consumers to actually tread carefully because it feels like you mentioned, uh, Jared, it's like a genie, right? It provides you with uh, your product with cheap payments. Uh, monthly payment options. You could start overspending because it's so easy to buy expensive stuff now. And also you can accumulate debt, which has really big problems, right? Potential pitfalls in the future. So that's where our next episode is headed, where we are talking about how the entire BNPL industry took a nosedive when interest rates rose. Whether you're a fan or a skeptic, one thing's for sure. BNPL is here and it's here to stay. As always, here on Things Have Changed podcast, stay curious. Um, buy now, pay later is an incredibly attractive space going after a $10 trillion online payments industry.